Thanks, Andy. I love that. I'll tell my wife. <laughs> she loves to travel, but she doesn't like going to Asia. She'll have been there 25 years, I guess. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. If that doesn't get you going, nothing will. Great to be with you guys today. I'm glad you started with uh, Tim Keller. I spoke to Tim recently, and he sends his regards. How's his cancer? Uh, he's doing okay. Um, you know, they found his uh, stage four um, when they were in doing something else, so it had not yet attacked one of his organs. Most people have stage four pancreatic. They just don't make it long because it, they find it after it attacks an organ. They found Tim's it still has yet to attack an organ. So he's uh, he's in good shape when he's out of the chemo. He's writing and you know training pastors and all that good stuff. But he sends his regards. He was on the original board of NCS. I mean, if you remember, and was on it until, I don't know, two, three, four years ago, something like that. Um, but he said, yeah, do pray, do pray for him. Um, that God, in, in, the, in the days that he has remaining, um, when this is his, his request in prayer, that he will just have an influence over men and women to live for Jesus. That is faithful. It's faithful men, a gift to the church. So, um, yes, this is a lesson on how to buy low and sell high. <laughs> <laughs> now, I've been in the investment business, as you heard, for a lot of years, and I finally figured it out. How how to make a million bucks in the stock market? You start with two million. <laughs> and in recent days, that's not been far from the truth. It's ugly out there. Go crypto. Yeah, go crypto. Um, I predicted a down year. We do these crazy ten predictions every year. December, we put them out, and we said the stock market would be down. We had a target of 4,500 in S&P. It was 48-something. I got a lot of calls. Bob, you're usually bullish. What is wrong with you? Why are you bearish? And, uh, of course, the market's going down. We thought, but we thought we'd have a down year still do. My problem is uh, valuations. To be real simple, and I don't want to uh, go get too technical on you, stock market and every stock is made up of two things, the earnings and the multiple on those earnings. PE times E equals P. And uh, I have no quarrel with E. In fact, earnings estimates all year long keep moving higher. Economy is not the problem yet. The problem is the valuation level. You know, forever it seemed like inflation in this country was zero, more accurately two. But we don't talk about inflation much, right? because it had that long 2%, 2%, And then we woke up a few months later and all of a sudden it was 8%. Now I'm not gonna get political, but economics 101, why do you took economics 101? Inflation, too much money chasing too few goods, right? So coronavirus hits and we don't know how to spell it. And so we dump money on the system so we avoid, could have been a depression. Nothing wrong with that. The problem is the economy began to roar back and we kept dumping money on the system. The Fed with zero interest rates and balance sheet that went out of control. And Washington, D.C., the Congress spending money um, like drunken sailors. 
And now we have so, so much money floating around out there that the only thing we can have is the price level goes up. Inflation at 8% should be no surprise to anybody in this room. The surprise to me is it took long, that long to, to gin up. Getting out of the system is going to take a long time. I'm going to show you a chart. I hope even in the back of the room you can see it. What this is is a chart of the 10-year Treasury bond, the yield. For those who can't see it or don't remember, uh, I, I entered the investment managed business that, in 1980, and a couple of years later, the 10-year Treasury had a yield of 15%. 15. And since then, it's been coming down. Like for 40 years, interest rates came down. Not every year, but irregularly, interest rates came down. And when interest rates go down, the valuation on the stock market, P.E. ratios, go up. When interest rates go down, bonds go up. The last 40 years, it never seemed that way. It was easy to make money as an investor in the public markets. Easy. Because you had a tailwind called falling interest rates. I hate to bring you the bad news, but that's over. <laughs> The 10-year Treasury bond yield hit its low in August of 2020, in the middle of the pandemic, at 52 basis points, one half of 1%. Circle it. No one in this room will ever see 52 basis points again, in my judgment. I don't know if it's going to last four years, but interest rates are going to creep higher, which means bond prices are going to creep lower, and valuations on stocks are going to struggle. doesn't mean you can't make money, but buy and hold is dead. If you buy and hold in 2022, you know that what's happened, stocks and bonds. Cash is king. Cash has outperformed stocks and cash has outperformed bonds. And if you are buying and holding, cash is going to beat you. That doesn't mean you can't make money. Um, my um, new firm, which will be a year on June 1st, Crossmark, by the way, Crossmark is a faith-based firm that manages and distributes values-based investment products. We're trying to help people line up their investments with their values. It's amazing when I think about it, <clears throat> to digress for a half a sec, we spend a lot of time thinking about, well, how am I going to earn money? And we go to school and we study and we work hard and maybe we get promoted once in a while, that sort of thing. And we care about how we make money. In other words, if, if uh, um, your wife came to you and said, uh, you know, I, I'm going to go into a new business. I'm going to rob a bank every three weeks. I'm going to make a lot of money. In New York, that's allowed. In New York, that's allowed. That's why we're in New Jersey. Um, you'd probably say, you know, sweetie, pro probably not a great idea, right? And at the back end, where we spend our money and where we give our money, we spend a lot of time, too, trying to figure out what's the right thing to do. But in between where the money sits, our investments, we spend a lot less time. I do not want to get to heaven. And God says, what would you do with my son? I hope I pass that text. I hope everybody in this room passes that text. What would you do with my son? But, you know, eventually God's going to say, got a few minutes. Sure. I want to talk about what you did with everything I gave you. What'd you do with your mind? What'd you do with your time? What'd you do with your body? What'd you do with your relationships? What'd you do with your money? 
Lord, well, this is what I did. All good. But why Why did you own that S&P 500 index fund? What do you mean, Lord? What, what's wrong with that? Well, there are a bunch of companies in there that kill people. Why did you Why did you support them? That's the essence of what we're trying to do. Get people to line up and think about. And also, on the other side, good. Who's doing good? What companies are out there promoting justice, promoting family values, doing a good job with their employees and their community and their environment and that, and that sort of thing? Think about where your investments are, guys. Just like you think about every other part of your life, I hope. Anyway, <clears throat> my view is um, it's a bumpy out there. Short term, um, I, I you know I think markets are oversold. Bonds have already started to rally. Stocks had an important low yesterday. That's, we're going to get a rally out of that. I'm not convinced it's the absolute bottom, um, but uh, you know we're going to bounce around. Recession, um, a lot of fear about a recession. Um, my view is um, probably not this year. Um, doesn't mean we aren't going to get one. My best guess gun to my head is the second half of next year, but don't hold me to that. The reasons I think no recession now, one, the health of the U.S. consumer. Consumers have two and a half to three trillion dollars of excess savings on their balance sheet. Where'd that come from? Trying to take you back to the pandemic. How many of you sat in your bedrooms in your pajamas because you were too afraid to go downstairs or outside? You didn't spend money. And some of you, the government mailed you tons of checks. That money's still sitting on balance sheets. That'll be used to keep the economy okay. Secondly, corporate America's in pretty good shape. Balance sheets, cash flow, profit margins. And thirdly, the employment situation. You probably know there are twice as many jobs as there are people looking for jobs. The unemployment rate in the United States is at a 50-year low. We have never entered a recession with a strong labor market. I doubt this will be the first time. But the Fed is between a rock and a hard place. The history books will show the Fed made a colossal mistake by waiting too long to get interest rates off zero. I wrote them a letter. When the economy started coming back, I said, guys, Congratulations for going to emergency policy when we had an emergency, but the emergency's over. You need to normalize policy. And they waited and waited, and then inflation came back, and they, inflation's only transitory. No, 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 no. I know it's easy to be Monday morning quarterback, but um, that's the pickle that we are in. <clears throat> My guess is inflation actually peaked with the numbers this week. Um, we actually saw a little bit of downturn, both in the CPI and the PPI, super price index, producer price index. <clears throat> so inflation, to use round numbers, went from two to eight. My guess is we'll end, exit the year and inflation will be four or five. Down from where we are, but still unacceptable. And during this period, while inflation's falling, if that's accurate, you hear a lot of people say, see, I told you, don't worry about inflation, it's coming down. Yeah, it's coming down to a level that's still pretty unacceptable. And that will eventually challenge markets again. Stock market does best when unemployment is high. Because when unemployment's high, um, the market says, well, the Fed's going to come to the rescue and provide stimulus. And the market anticipates that. Conversely, when the unemployment rate is low, as it is today, a 50-year low, stocks tend not to do well. 
Why? Because the market's afraid the Fed, Fed's going to take the money away. Mm-hmm. The proverbial punch bowl. The Fed has been the best friend of the financial markets for a number of years. And eventually will be our worst enemy. It happens every cycle. Yeah, not to scare you guys, <clears throat> do you know there is no 20-year period in U.S. history where stocks have gone down? I had a friend who recently retired, uh, 67 years old, married, both of them healthy. He said, Bob, now that I've retired, should I move all my money out of stocks into bonds? I said, no, just the opposite. If you're 67 and married and you're both pretty healthy, at least one of you is going to live more than 20 more years. Therefore, stocks are the right choice. For goodness sake, don't panic out. I mean, if you're on in the stock market and you have leverage, yeah, get rid of the leverage. But conversely, don't panic out. By the way, 10-year periods, 95% of the time stocks are up, only 5% of the down. And most people I'm looking in this room, most of you have at least a 10-year time horizon. So my target for the S&P 500 to repeat, um, this year 4,500. Uh, we're at 3,900, so uh, I was a bear in December, and now people say, are you, why are you so bullish? <laughs> it's crazy, crazy market. I don't know if we'll end up at 4,500, but I think there's a little upside here, and I won't get too scared. But the 40 years in the rearview mirror have been easy 40 years. It's a lot of I could talk all day about the markets, and I am going to leave some time for questions. You want to come back there, that's fine. Let me switch gears and talk about things that are important, having covered the unimportant. I want to talk about lessons learned during COVID. I hope COVID is behind us. Well, God bless John Corcoran. Where, where's the camera? Hi, John. Um, John has tested positive. I hope you don't mind telling everybody. He feels great. So we're praying for you, John. Um, let me read you the verse that continues to impact slash haunt me. Came to my mind shortly after COVID hit. For the second Chronicles chapter seven, most of you know at least the second of these two verses. When I shut up the heavens, so there is no rain, this is the Lord talking obviously, or command locusts to devour the land, or send a plague among my people, might I add, or send a coronavirus to the earth. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. Sounds pretty simple. God gives us the recipe. Humble yourself, pray, seek his face, turn from your wicked ways, and then I'll build your land. I have a feeling if we did those four things, God would blow coronavirus away. Here's a modern translation, if I might, of those two verses. In three short months, just like he did with the plagues of Egypt, God has taken away everything we worship. Let me take you back to the early coronavirus days. I realize and I'm thankful we've healed from a lot of that. God said, you want to worship athletes? I will shut down the stadiums. You want to worship musicians, even Christian ones? I will shut down the concert halls. You want to worship actors? I'll shut down the theaters. This one hit home. You want to worship money? 
I will shut down the economy and collapse the stock market. Oh, you don't want to go to church and worship me? I'll make it where you can't go to church. The writer goes on and says, maybe we don't need a vaccine. Maybe we need to take time in isolation from the distraction of this world and have a personal revival where we focus on the only thing that really matters, Jesus Christ. Humbling, sobering, and yet hopeful words. I commend them to you. So what are we to do? Humble ourselves. We are to have a contrite dependence on God. Not about you, as a type A, I've been taught I can pick up myself by the bootstraps and go for it. I can do it all. I got all the tools I need. And the America Me First culture only promotes that. And we encourage our kids, come on, kids, you can do it. We can't do it alone. We need the Lord. We need to be wholly dependent on God in the good times and the bad times. I don't know about you, when things are going well, I tend to go 100 miles an hour, and every once in a while, I turn around and say, hey, Lord, are you with me? <laughs> Boy, is that messed up theology. That's the American way. Yes, it is. The American way. Okay. When I'm in the valley, and I'm sure you can all attest to this, I don't, I, should I go this way? Should I, I don't know what to do. I stop. Lord, which way should I go? Sadly, we learn a lot more about ourselves, our God, our relationship with him in the valleys. If we could only do that in the mountaintops, being wholly dependent on our Lord, who's given us everything we have. I repeat that. He's given us everything we have. I don't mean just our money. Our bodies, our minds, our friends, our family. Yes, our money, time. What are we doing with these things? Number two, we're to pray. How about you? Um, like most Christians, I struggle with prayer. Yes, in COVID days, I prayed a lot more than I did other days. I had a little more time on my hands, unusual schedule. Here's uh, Oswald Chambers. Ozzy's a favorite of, uh, of NCS. Here's what he said about prayer. We tend to use prayer as a last resort. But God wants it to be our first line of defense. We pray when there's nothing else we can do. But God wants us to pray before we do anything at all. When things are going well, are you praying? Are you on your knees? Am I? Or are we just there when we are struggling? Number three, we're to seek his face. Yes, that means pray, but it's a deeper sense than just prayer, not that prayer is just, you get my point. Reading his word, studying his word, fellowshipping with him, recognizing he's given us one mouth and two ears. Not about you, when I pray, I spend way too much time talking to God and not nearly enough time listening to God. Seek his face. Number four, turn from our wicked ways. I don't know what that means for you, but I think there's something at least that we all have in common, maybe some other things, idols. Calvin, the heart is an idol factory. Tim Keller, if you haven't read his book, Counterfeit Gods, get a copy. If it doesn't convict you, you're not opening your mind and your heart. We all have idols. 
<clears throat> and often our idols are good things. It's not that they're always bad things. I mean, you know Satan's favorite Christian, one that's so busy doing good things that he or she has no time for the best things. <laughs> and he was kidding with all the stuff I do. And you're all busy too. I can get so busy doing stuff that if the best comes along, A, I don't have time for it, or B, I don't even see it. Are you making time for the best things? I don't know what that means to you. Best things can get in the way of the to-do list. Best things can get in the way of your agenda. But best things are worth it. Idols turn from our wicked ways. So the first lesson I am learning from COVID, as I've just gone through that Chronicles passage, is God's trying to get my attention. I suspect he's trying to get your attention, too. Oh, I know he has your attention. You know what I mean. Second lesson, the brevity of life. I'll bet everybody in this room knows somebody, either directly in your sphere of family and friends or close to it that's perished because of COVID. You heard we passed a million as a country deaths from COVID recently. My kids say, Dad, you better worry about the brevity of life. You're, you're old. <laughs> you got this much left. And I'm looking around this room, and there are a lot of guys like me. We have this much left. You know, I see a lot of guys who are in the third, maybe the fourth quarter. There is no overtime. My dad died of cancer at age 66. We saw him deteriorate for 18 months. And uh, a little more than a year ago, I counted the days. I reached the exact age my dad did the day he died. It was a weird day for me. I had a chance to say goodbye to my dad. Uh, he was in the hospital several times, but this last time, it was a Saturday morning, he was rushed to the hospital, my mom woke up, and he was totally gray. Cancer had gone to his lungs, so got him to the hospital, they gave him oxygen, we all showed up, and the doctor said, you know, he's, he's got a few weeks probably. <clears throat> and uh, we decided that uh, we were going to tell him not the doctor, and I was appointed. <laughs> And uh, we did our thing, and we, you know, we cried and hugged him and all that good stuff. And then we left. He said to Mom, I, I gotta go back and see Dad again. I just went for a couple of minutes. I thanked him for everything. And my last words to my father were, Dad, save me a seat. I'll be there soon. He died that night. Mm-hmm. So I had a peace because I was able to say goodbye. And of course, when you watch somebody die, you're mourning before they even pass. In light of the brevity of life, do we make every moment count? Do we make every relationship count? How are we using our time? How are we using our margin, our extra time? And I wrote down, are we mesmerized in light of this by the glory of God? John Piper. If you don't feel strong desires for the manifestation of the glory of God. It is not because you have drunk deeply and are satisfied. It is because you have nibbled so long at the table of the world. Your soul is stuffed with small things 
and there is no room for the great things. It's so easy to fall into that trap, man. <clears throat> Third lesson, and I hope these are helpful to you guys, taking care of the poor. Someone challenged me early in COVID to reread the synoptic gospel, so I did. And I found in a new way how much Jesus loved the poor. I knew that, but man, did it hit me. The poor in spirit and the poor physically. The downcast, the left aside. <clears throat> he really loved the poor. My wife and I began to alter our giving pattern, giving a lot more to the poor, lots of different ways. Won't bore you with them. But our attitude toward the poor says a lot about our attitude toward God. Let me encourage you, find out ways to serve the poor. <laughs> we had, uh, I don't know, I guess it was a Thanksgiving before COVID, an opportunity to go to a shelter that we support in Philadelphia and feed the Thanksgiving meal. And the uh, director of the mission took us to the second floor and showed us the bathroom for the men who stayed there. It was one just one big room. <clears throat> Commodes, toilets, showers, all, you know, around the perimeter. They said, we're going to remodel this so guys have a little dignity, a little privacy, et cetera, et cetera. I said to my wife, why don't we give the money to do the feasibility study? We'll get it done. She said, no. Why don't we give the money for the whole thing? <laughs> Feed the poor guys. Find a way. There's so many needs out there. We have so much. If you earned either through work or Social Security or whatever, more than $2,000 in the last 12 months, you're in the top 5% of income in the world. More than $2,000. <clears> Many in this room are in the top 1%. <clears throat> Billy Graham <clears throat> said, you can tell a lot about a person if you can see their calendar and their checkbook. Anybody have a checkbook anymore? You know what I mean. I see a couple old guys like me. You know what I mean when I say checkbook. Where our time and money goes says a lot about what's really important to us. I play a little game every once in a while. If no one's home on a Saturday afternoon, I said, you know, Jesus is going to come knocking on the door. Bob, I got an hour. Can I see your calendar? Can I see your checkbook? Am I ready for that? Am I going to be ashamed of what he's going to find? Or am I going to be happy to hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant? What are you doing with your time? What are you doing with your money? No matter how much or how little of it you have. The older I get, the more I realize that Christian life is to be marked by simplicity. The more complicated we make things here, the more we have to focus on those things and the less time we have to focus on more important things. Oh, I'm not condemning people that have a lot of things. A lot of people use things very, very well for the kingdom. But don't hold anything so tight that if Jesus says, I want that, you're going to 
moaned and groaned. A couple of words on generosity. I'm watching the clock. I got to stop soon. Um, my favorite verse is um, from Sermon on the Mount. Don't stir up for yourselves treasures on earth, and you know why. As Randy Alcorn says, because it's stupid. <laughs> I didn't say it, but he did. You know what the scripture says. You know, it'll, thieves will break through and steal and all that good stuff, but Randy says it's just plain stupid. And then the passage goes on to say, but do store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Randy Alcorn again, you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. And that's just not money. It's relationship, it's help, it's counsel, it's mentoring. You old guys like me in the room, I hope you're mentoring two or three younger guys. They're hungry to do life right. As <laughs> I say to the ones I'm mentoring, you don't make a lot of mistakes, but don't make the mistakes I made. Make different ones. I could go on and on on this generosity subject. The biggest obstacle, in my view, is we think this is our home. And if we do, we're spending a lot of time here. Back to what I said. We're on this planet this long. We're in eternity this long. Why do we spend so much time focusing on this? Mm -hmm. I said to somebody, have you studied heaven? Is you going to be there? Yeah, I'm going to be up there plucking harp. So you're not going to be plucking any harp. Read what the good book says about heaven. It's amazing what it tells us. Of course, it leaves out a lot, too, for our sanctified imaginations. Why did Jesus spend more time, red letter edition of the Bible, count up the verses, on money and possessions than he did on heaven and hell combined? Because he knew it's an attitude of the heart. If we really believe it's all his, not just our money, our everything, the question should not be, how much am I going to give? The question should be, how much am I going to keep? Because the rest is his. <clears throat> I mean, a lot of, well, statistics. America's a pretty generous country. We give 2% of our income to charity. Christians in the country, two and a quarter percent. There's no statistical difference between two and two and a quarter. Shame on us. A couple of concluding thoughts, and then I'll open this up. All related to these COVID lessons. <clears throat> David Brooks wrote an interesting article called The Road to Character. Short, if you want to pick, try to pick it up. Basically, he's arguing in that little article, are we focusing on resume virtues or eulogy virtues? Ooh. Nothing wrong with a great resume, but if it's at the expense of eulogy virtues, probably not a great idea. I don't know about you. I, I, I wish my ears were going to be open at my funeral. I'd love to hear what they're going to say about me. And my kids are going to, I know what they're going to say. You can believe Dad did this. You know, <laughs> can you believe he said that? <clears throat> but the eulogy virtues, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Some of you heard me, uh, no, two more thoughts. <clears throat> On my mirror, I saw it this morning when I brushed my teeth. Today, Bob, you will have a Christ-like attitude. 
have an own nothing perspective and have a passing through mentality in the three points. We're all going to die someday. Most of us will have some marker, tombstone or whatever. <clears throat> Mine will say Bob Dahl, 1954 I hope it's someday way in the future, but you know, I could I could die on the way back to my office today. We have no control over the first day. Little if any control on the second day. But that little dash, that little hyphen in the middle, that's God's gift. What are we doing with our hyphens? You might say, you know, I'm 70 years old, I ain't got much left, and you know, it doesn't matter much for now. Oh, not true. God wants to, he doesn't need any of us, our money, our time, but he wants us. He wants all of us. He wants us. He has a plan. Yes, he does have a plan for every one of us. And it's the best plan, better than the plan we can come up with. Let me say a quick prayer and then let's open up to comments or questions. Father, thanks for these men. Thanks for their desire to serve you, to live their lives for you. I pray, Father, <clears throat> that whatever lessons we have all learned in COVID, that we will have learned them well. You're very clear in your word. We humble ourselves, pray, seek your face, turn from our wicked ways, those four things. You will heal our land. So help us do those four things as men of God. Uh, make us worthy of well done out, good and faithful servant. Keep us faithful even this day. In Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Amen.